You're listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. Welcome once again to another episode of Neighbors and Nations. My name is Todd Stiles, and the point of Neighbors and Nations is to ignite within its listeners a heart for missions, both local and global. And I think today we'll have a chance to hear uh, a story that will do that. So, Vanessa Miguel, welcome to our podcast today. Thank you, Pastor Todd. It's great to be here. Amen. I'm glad you're here, and I can't wait for our listeners to hear not just what you are doing and planning to do, but maybe more about what God has done in mm-hmm. your life personally. Because I think in this podcast, our listeners enjoy uh, hearing maybe what God is up to around the world, but they also love the stories of how mm-hmm. God began that in someone's heart. And so I think you're just the perfect one for this podcast today. Hey, before we begin, just tell us, first of all, who is Vanessa Miguel? Oh, Vanessa Miguel is a person who loves adventure for the sake of Jesus and and just being willing to follow his lead wherever that takes me. Uh, it's it's taken me to many places and most recently to West Africa, where God is giving me the opportunity to go and serve as an operating room nurse uh, for his glory so that souls can hear the gospel and know that they are loved, not both, um, yeah, individually, but as a community. Um in general. So. In West Africa. Yes. So let's say this at the outset. Um, we're going to be talking about that right off the bat, but there are some security concerns. Mm. And so we're going to be pretty generic in some ways, correct? Correct. Yeah. Um, and you may want to lead me here. I'm, I'm still learning this. I have been mm-hmm. for multiple years. It's hard to uh, learn mm-hmm. new habits, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I feel like I'm doing okay at it, but we won't be mentioning specific names of people. Or places. Uh, there is specificity. And if you'd like to hear more about Vanessa's plans. So how can they reach out to you? Can you share that? Yes, absolutely. So um, kind of my motto is surgery for souls. As you can imagine, being an operating room nurse, I I love pairing that together and surgery for souls at gmail.com. If you have questions and want to hear more about the ministry and specific ways to be praying and yeah, just be a part of that partnership, feel free. I would love to um, connect and delve in more to what that looks like. Okay. So there are more specifics available. Let's talk now about where you're headed um, later this year Mm -hmm. um, to West Africa. And it's just a really neat opportunity. And you're going there for a a two-year term initially, right? Correct. So tell us more about where if you can, to mm-hmm. what extent, and then why, and kind of what's going on there. Yeah, um, West Africa is really one of those areas within the world that has some of the poorest countries. And so for me, what drew me initially is the need. Uh, over the years, I've been in contact with people from perspectives. If some people have heard of that um, kind of curriculum that brings to I think the surface, the need in the world, whether it's the 1040 window for the gospel and where I'll be serving falls in both of those kind of categories of unreached as well as just the need um, is there because of the poverty and the lack of access to healthcare. And you used an important word there, uh, the idea of access, not just to healthcare, Mm -hmm. but access to the gospel. You're in a place where there's limited access, very unreached Mm-hmm. 99% probably, right? Correct. Yes. So it's not just a need. And we've addressed this on this podcast in multiple episodes of why I bring mm-hmm. it up again. It's not just a need thing. There's needs everywhere. You're actually headed to a place where there's very little access, mm-hmm. right? 
Right. Like, which I think is uh, fantastically practical when it comes to getting mm-hmm. the Great Commission accomplished. Amen. So. Yeah. And then seeing God pair that with, you know, just even how he and Jesus did in scripture, he met someone's physical need, whether mm-hmm. it was the woman who bled for years, as well as then hit her spiritual need as well. Um, even the woman at the well had a physical need, but again, the greater need was for them to have living water from that of Jesus. And so taking that and understanding that we want to meet a physical need, but the whole point is for them to spiritually have that need met and to know Jesus as their personal Lord and Savior. And you're going to be doing that by working in a hospital. Correct. Okay. Yes. And this hospital is already on fire for that mission. To know. Not literally. <laughs> Not literally. Okay. I love that term. Right yeah. There. No, but um, really, when when you walk onto the campus, there is a presence of the Holy Spirit. Um, Amen. The most and the majority of those who work at the hospital are believers. And we just, we love that it's not just... Um, the missionaries coming in with the passion for individuals to know Jesus and the locals, but it's the local people. There is a small Christian community there that are then moving the gospel forward and we're partnering alongside them. And it's not just a surgery thing only, even for those in the hospital, you said. I think, there aren't there some partners that visit these patients later in their homes even? Mm-hmm. Walk us through some of those methods, we'll call them, in which they keep trying to make sure the gospel's front and center. Yeah, absolutely. So for us, right, again, the hospital is a way to bring patients in. God opens that door through a physical need. But after they arrive, we're autom- we're already on that path of saying, what is that spiritual need? And we do have um, actual local pastors on staff who are doing that spiritual um, feeding for these people who are there, along with the missionaries who are working. But we really want to uh, give that focus over to these local pastors so that they can connect other um, local pastors maybe in the surrounding areas to these patients after they leave uh, the hospital. Now, the specific place where you're going to be, without mentioning its name, I'm not sure if you can share this or not, but what's the population of that specific city? Mm. Uh, I would say it's closer to like 400, 500,000, give or take, and growing. So it's a rather large city. Okay. And within that, if I'm not mistaken, correct me if I'm wrong, there's only two or is it three evangelical We'll use the word Christian church. Yes. There's, I believe, three, um, but in comparison to the population, very minimal. Exactly. And then within even the outlining villages and areas is very unreached. So we're seeing that it's being reached within the city and then trying as patients are starting to come from these outlining villages. So we're starting to get more access to these places that were once completely inaccessible mm-hmm. because there was just no way to be invited to these places. And now since we're done surgery or or met a physical need, patients are inviting us to their homes, which is in the bush in the middle of nowhere. And we're able to go and share a meal and, and start walking out what that looks like to be Jesus to them, as well as to open doors to share the gospel. Yeah. And I bring that up because even if you have three pastors who are, let's say, national pastors mm-hmm. in the area... From my research and from talking to you in the past, I mean, those churches are still very small yes. in the city. So you're way, you're less than 1% mm-hmm. of that city, much less the country or the Bush area, <clears throat> you know, uh, knowing Christ. So you're just in an area, and it's high Muslim. Mm-hmm. And so you're just in an area where uh, it's, it's great to hear that there are at least some initial Christians who can help you with the discipling and with the continuing efforts of like, hey, it's not just surgery only. Mm-hmm. But what a beautiful thing that God's given surgery as, such a, as, a, as a tool to bring 
them in or to at least meet some initial needs. Right. And I think for someone who uh, wants to be equipped to share the gospel, it was powerful to see how God used something that he had already put in my heart from a young child to be Mm -hmm. a nurse to now using it currently to then go forth and realizing like, even just to get into a country that I'm going to is much easier just writing down you're a nurse, you know, and and seeing how God, um, he pairs it and it's not the importance necessarily of the skill, but again, God can use anything to make his presence known and to use it as his hands and feet. That's been a real learning curve for me. Um, and it's been a, a fun one, but you think about missions 25 or 30 years ago, you went mm-hmm. as a missionary, and your skill was basically gospel sharing, if I can mm-hmm. just say it that plainly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But in our church here, the last uh, three people we've sent, uh, you're the, the most recent one, you're going mm-hmm. later this year, a nurse, a graphic artist, and a mechanic, because that's the way to get into the countries. You know, we have a high value on unreached places, right. least access areas. Praise and so it's just a different mindset for me that I have to continually say to myself, the way in is not what it used to be. And mm-hmm. so I'm just proud of you for saying, hey, here's a mm-hmm. skill, here's a love. I can get places where the typical gospel sharer can't. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. Uh, I and think we're about to, after you, I think you're aware of this, we won't say much here, but there's an engineer set to go as well. Mm-hmm. So really four people that we're sending are not yeah. the typical missionary. Mm-hmm. And yet we're getting into places where the gospel has very little access. And I think it's just a humble honor to, to be a part of what God's doing in that way. And you're part of that. Mm-hmm. So, hey, walk us through just a minute. Um um, what is like in the OR? So, I mean, this is what you do. It's kind of, I could even say the OR is kind of your mission field in some ways, right? That's the, 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 the central core aspect. What's it like in there? When I have like a big I, smile on my face right now. Like I just, I love I mean, what I do. I love yeah. what I do. And I think, um, so how does God use you in that moment? Yeah. I think God uses us in that moment to really, I think it's so tangible, right? Like we are laying hands on people, sewing people, um, cutting and then re-sewing and all of these different aspects. Like, you know, for me, one of my my favorite surgeries is cleft palate and cleft lip. And you have these babies who their families believe they are cursed. They believe that they are um, an outcast, that they're garbage, that they're trash, not because they feel that way, but that's what the culture has told them. That's the lie Satan has implanted, um, as part of the animist belief system Mm. within these realms of Africa or in the world. And yet here we can come in by God's grace, by his handiwork. And within a couple of hours have completely fixed this baby's lip. And these mothers are crying and their families are saying there is a God because their children, they can now take their children to the marketplace. They can take their children to church if they wanted or to the mosque, even though, um, you know, we're in that realm of serving. It's a tangible way that forever that baby will look at their face when they grow up and say, there was a God who loved me enough to come and see I wasn't trash, that I was valued and something to be treasured. When you're in that OR, let's take that specific surgery and as a child or a baby. I mean, do you guys begin in prayer? I mean, do you lay hands on them and pray? Is it more like, no, that's more things we do in our heart, not in the open? Or what's that like even in in regards? Because it's a Christian hospital. Is Mm -hmm. that correct? Mm Mm-hmm. It is. And and I think for us, it is the primary focus, right? It's the primary focus of saying, 
Yes, God has given us a skill, but he is the one who comes in, guides our hands. We believe that it is only to his glory we do anything. And we do pray over every patient that comes into okay. our OR like as a physical. Visibly. <laughs> yes, visibly. You're not ashamed of that or afraid of that Absolutely with these not. other folks standing around. Are the parents in there? Do they see that or is it? The parents don't see that, okay. but there is later conversations of sharing the gospel. What does that look like? Uh, we do actually have the recordings of the gospel in their native language, in the local trade language. So that's a huge way that we um, end up facilitating that is giving them access to the gospel through a translation of the Bible within their own language. And that well, is really at the powerful. hospital then. Mm -hmm, correct. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so for in that, um, even to have the nationals who I'm working with, praying over these patients in the name of Jesus is huge. And what, um, yeah, an example to their locals that there are other, yeah, nationals who believe mm. and seeing that transformation, not just because there's a missionary there, but they themselves believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Is it hard for you when you're in this OR, not just from a surgical standpoint, even just from a spiritual point of view, when you're still learning the language? Does the, do the doctors speak your language or do they speak the national language? I mean, walk us through, are there language barriers even in that mm -hmm. world a surgery that you have to overcome? Yeah, definitely language learning. There is a local language as well as an official language and trying to navigate those waters through that. But thankfully, my team leader is a pediatric surgeon who is from the States and has trained in the States. His family and himself have been serving there for the last seven years and speak the local language as well as the official language. And through that, I'm able to do surgery with him. And we also have a national who speaks English as well. So we're able in the beginning as I'm language learning to be able to make that happen. That's good. and But you are learning the language, aren't you? I am. I am, little by little. Even We're, on this side of the pond, you're learning it now, right? I am. I have a tutor, a couple of tutors, and actually this past week I went and learned a uh, called a GPA method, and it is essentially a growing participated approach so that you build relationships with the nationals nationals, and you have a nurturer who walks you through the process of learning the language. So I went and learned um, this week how to do that approach in order to facilitate relationships in the national language. And will you continue to be tutored over there? Yes. Yeah. Okay. For at least for at least the next couple of years, for sure. And wow. if God calls me to go longer, I'll already be ready to take on that um, leap of faith. Yeah, because I think getting good language clarity, I know you value that with us. Mm -hmm. It's not yeah. as important that you have every nuance down just for surgery, because mm -hmm. you got English, you said, but as you continue to build relationships, mm -hmm. you'll want to know as much as you can how to share the gospel in their heart language, I think, like you said earlier. I love your heart for that. Um, you mentioned team leaders, so we can't say their name on the air, but you are with an agency mm -hmm. and they have a team leader. So this is not just you on your own flying over to some part in West Africa and being this rogue adventurer for Jesus, right? Right. And you walk right. us through what you, tell us what you can about maybe uh, who you're with and, and just kind of your process and what you went through. And mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to give the actual date of departure, but kind of maybe some months mm -hmm. and just... Um, kind of establish some credibility with our people that, hey, yeah. this is not just one girl out on her own. Right. Um, my sending organization, if you want more information, definitely email me. Okay. I don't I don't Good know word. kind of the the on-air, um, just to make sure that we're staying all kosher with yeah. everything. Good but, call. Um, uh, yeah, so, but definitely going with a very well-known sending organization who his main goal is keeping the main thing the main thing, and that is making disciples of Jesus. In specific people groups. Within specific people groups, within the 10 uh, 
1040, 1040 window. I'm sorry. That kind of escaped me at that moment, but, uh, really wanting, I think the thing when I first started out, I've, I've done other missions and gone with other organizations, but when you're considering long-term, you want an organization that has a reputation for longevity, for keeping people on the field, for really helping to have this community thrive. And that was really one of my big, um, reasons for getting on board with the sending organization is to really have that backing for those who are interested in supporting, as well as just to have um, other resources, whether that's security risks, health insurance, some of those basic things that we don't always think of, but to have someone in your court who has done this and done it well over the years. And you went through candidate school? Yes. Yeah, I did. Um, so Online this time, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, but even in that, God is good. And I've gotten Amen. to meet a couple of the people from my training uh, team and all of that. So it's been beautiful to see how God still weaves our stories together, even over Zoom. And I think that's just also a thing of where God has taken our culture through technology and to know that even though I'm going overseas, I'll still be in contact with our local church and yeah. our sending church. And um, it is truly a blessing. So you mentioned sending church. You have an agency as well as a church. So I'll mm -hmm. let you kind of walk us through that a bit as well. Yes. Um, so First Family is my sending church and it has been an honor. One of the, I was just telling uh, a good friend of mine last night, I just love my church. And it's been neat to see people truly take on the passion of the local people we're going to serve, of the hospital. Even every Sunday as I, as I serve and I'm alongside, people are coming to me going, how are you doing? How is this going? And to have that investment before going, as well as um, just during the process has truly just been a privilege to walk through. And you have an actual sending team within your sending church. I do. Can you uh, extrapolate that a little bit? That might be very helpful to our listeners who maybe mm -hmm. work in their churches or mm -hmm. have a heart for sending. Because yeah. it's kind of headed by some close friends, right? Right. And I, I, if I can speak into anything, it has been what a gift to have a sending team. So my sending team has come alongside. I actually have a sending team meeting tonight. So that's actually great. Um, and it actually started out is it was my small group. It was the small group that I've been investing in in the last four years that I've been serving in, in, in the body of First Family. And they have just loved me faithfully. As Pastor Todd knows, I would come and go doing different missions with other different organizations. And they just always welcomed me back. And it didn't matter if I was gone two weeks, two months, four months, they would always welcome me back and ask me, what is God doing and where is he taking you? And so as soon as I knew where I was going to go long-term, I talked to Pastor Todd and he's like, you need a sending group. And they automatically came to my mind because of their faithfulness and their love for the gospel to be sent to the nations. And they just said, we're in. And right. we're in. They did. I didn't have to twist their arm or anything. It's the Fortenberries. If anybody in our church will be listening to this, they're like the the master uh, communicators and yeah, there's no public risk telling yeah, about them. yeah public relations people. <laughs> I love them. They're like my fave. Um, and it's been just great to just. Um, have someone to be my sounding board, have someone to be encouraging. We meet once a month and we just kind of start at the top. Like, how are you doing in the area of fundraising? How are you doing in the area of staying in the word? How are you doing with moving these plans forward? What has God been doing in your life? What are you encouraged about? What are you discouraged about? And it's wonderful to have this non-judgment zone. I know a mm. lot of missionaries will talk about kind of like filling in a fishbowl because people are watching and they're, and they're assessing and, and, and it's nice to have this area of just complete um, openness to say, we are here for you. And and this is an area where you can just divulge like, 
this is a hard day and this is something I need prayer for moving forward. Or it's been just a God moment to uh, yeah, see this person give and partner with me. I think it's uh, helpful as you're listening to understand that uh, in our, we haven't always done this way, but I think mm-hmm. as God has moved us along the path of having a heart for the nations and trying to be ascending, multiplying cultures, in your case and in most of our partners, there's a sending team, a sending church, and a sending agency. So when you have a three-strand cord, mm. our goal is that it provides for you the frontline tip of the spear, uh, uh, another level of confidence that you're not alone, not not uh, you know, not every part's handled by one person, but together we provide for you a really strong rope. So we're on this end holding the rope, and you're on the other end, you know, saying, "Hey, I'm willing to go down in the pit, so to speak." In the words of the old missionary, "I'll go down in the pit if you'll hold the other end." And so I, I just want to listen to hear. We we have found that to be very healthy. It's been a long journey, yeah. um, with some mistakes and it's trial and error. But we feel like right now there's there's a good mixture of sending team, sending church, and sending agency that work together. And if I can honestly speak onto that too of the sending organization, I have a field prep coach and all of these mm. different aspects who consistently will say, that's wonderful that your church has that for you. It's wonderful you're that's sending church. And they love that partnership because then for them, it takes off we're everything to you because you can't just have one um, entity, right? You need all of this community in the body. And for them, they have told me over and over, we really appreciate when churches have sending teams. So, and and to me, that's just confirmation how our church is doing that well, that aspect, and really encouraged by that. I hope you are. It's really mm-hmm. good to hear. Um, this is not your first rodeo. It's your first long-term rodeo, so mm-hmm. to speak. But uh, I, I've really enjoyed watching you for years, um, you know, leave for a few months and come back, Mm -hmm. leave for a few months. I hate it when folks leave in one sense, but I knew your heart was always for mission. So talk to us a bit about the years that you spent on Mercy Ships. You were still a nurse, uh, but you self-funded everything. I I did. There's maybe some folks who are wondering, hey, I sense sense a call. I have a skill, but how can I use that somewhere else? Maybe maybe your story would inspire them to pursue some similar paths. So walk us through that. Share Mm -hmm. that. And I love how our God... um, creates in us these moments of like, at first, we don't want to let go of certain things. And, and to be very honest, you know, self-funding was more of a safety blanket because I didn't want to fundraise. <laughs> so just to be very transparent. And I know there's, I've talked to others who are like, I don't feel comfortable, you know, fundraising. And so, you know, how did you do it, Vanessa? And I said, well, I self-supported and I saw God faithfully provide in that. And I met a lot of amazing people because I would fund, you know, I would work and and establish that community. And then I would go and I would serve with Mercy Ships for a couple months at a time or other organizations. And then I would come back and, and God used that to say, this is a passion. This is a passion that you have that I have given you. And then it came to a point when he called me long-term that he goes, you're going to have to let that go you're going to have to have people partner with you for my glory. So in that, I encourage people, if if that's something that you self-fund and that you don't want to do um, fundraising, that's okay, because if God ever wants to bring you to that point, He's going to change your heart. He so that was neat that's to good. see that growth in me, to say, okay, I was doing this because God called me to, and then He called me to a different area and a different level of 
um, I think knowing his faithfulness and seeing his faithfulness as people have come and partnered along. You were a PRN, is that right? Is that the right word for it? It or is. It is. Acronym, uh, whatever they call it. Yeah, PRN. Look at him, Pastor Todd, throwing these words yeah. around. Um, so PRN <laughs> is it stands for essentially as needed. And so I was able to pick up shifts. And usually, unfortunately, hospitals are a lot of times short staffed. So it worked that I always had a job and always was able to um, work full time and then leave. And my, and my hospital was so understanding and it was always amazing to go and say, God is calling me in faith to go serve with mercy ships. And then I'd come back and people would be like, how did it go? And it was this instant way that God used it to bridge Western and Eastern culture, what God was doing in the East to what we could do in the West. And, and just understanding that we are one body and we're one family, and that is the goal. And to try to explain that to unbelievers, it was an instant doorway into sharing the gospel on this side, That's interesting. Which, which was powerful. And I love that heart that you weren't just saying, I'll be a gospel share when I get there. You did mm-hmm. that here then. Yeah. And just being willing That's to- really cool. Yeah. Just being willing to share. Um, when people even now will say, aren't you scared to go? And I go, well, you know, in faith, I believe God has called me to go and share his love with people. And you you can tell like it kind of has to rattle a little in their minds to to say, okay, what does that mean? And then questions come from that. And it's just a great first conversation starter for the gospel here. Um, yeah. And I just want to commend your character for a moment to our listeners, because mm-hmm. I know some probably will email you. Mm-hmm. I think there are some that Lord the Lord will bring in support of you and uh, who knows who's hearing this, but I'm just confident mm-hmm. in faith that, um, you know, God's got a reason for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, I think your willingness during those years to self-fund, and I wasn't even aware of that. I figured that's what was going on, but you were very <laughs> uh, humble and quiet about it. You may say it's because you were afraid to fundraise, but I think it's a test to find out, mm-hmm. do you really love it? Because it's easy for some people to say, I want to go so-and-so place, give me money. I'll go mm-hmm. if you pay for it. Yeah. And yet you were like, no, I'll pay for it. And so you'd work like crazy, save the money, and then take the time off and do it. And I think that speaks volumes to your character and to your passion and your commitment. Mm-hmm. So when it came time to actually say, for a two-year term, I'll need some partners, there was no doubt that you had mm-hmm. already invested yourself. In fact, mm-hmm. I would say to our listeners, I think a good bit of your outfit and passages probably from your self-funds already. Mm-hmm. So I love the fact that you have brought to the table what you're asking others to do. Mm-hmm. And that's a mark of character. And that, well, I can support someone like that in a heartbeat because they've already tested themselves. They're in. Mm-hmm. So you may think you're afraid, but I think it's the Lord building that, what we'll call mm-hmm. it credibility or clout, that you can now speak into this issue and say, I've, I'm not just going because it's easier because you'll pay for it. Mm-hmm. I've been paying for it. Help me go back longer. Mm. So I, I want to commend you for that. Uh, those are kind words, Pastor yeah. Todd, and I thank you for that. And I and I feel like God is leading me to really give a shout out to my parents, um, who were really pivotal in my life of um, creating in me a heart that the money that I made was not my own, and it was the Lord's. And what would the Lord like? Even from a young age, we took Dave Ramsey's Financial University, Peace University, and um, one of the big things was getting out of school debt free. And to to really speak to this next generation who are coming up the ranks, who are thinking about doing missions. One of the most pivotal ways that God was able to use me is I had no debt coming out of school. And from that, when I graduated nursing school and before I said, Lord, how would you how would you want me to use the gifts you've given me as well as the resources? And he said, go. And that was one of the really the catalysts is that my parents had already spoken that truth into me that 
money is just the tool that God uses um, to grow our, our to grow our faith, but then to share the gospel with others. And um, I have amazing parents who have encouraged me on this journey, despite the hardships of being a parent for kids who are going overseas. And that is, I want to speak into those hearts as well. Um, but really applaud them as well because it is truly a blessing to have parents who are supportive of the work that is going on in the world for the sake of the gospel. And those are beautiful words. I want to camp there for a moment. So let's first of all give your parents a shout out. Their names? Uh, my parents are Scott and Connie Miguel. And just they live where? They live in actually Wisconsin right now. We grew up in California and moved us to the Midwest when I was 13. And sometimes that's like, I think back, that's like our first pilgrimage, you know, um, learning what it is to let go of things and to create new community, I think really blessed me in my life moving forward with missions. Scott and Connie, is that right? Hey, Scott and Connie, you got them. Hey, uh, way to go, guys. Uh, <laughs> she just gave you a big shout out. If you're, uh, can we say what specific area of Wisconsin? Yeah, they're in the like Platteville, um, Wisconsin area. Okay, so if you're happen to be if you happen to be listening from that area and you know them, man, go give a big hug, a big Amen. pat on the back, a big Amen. high five and say... Thanks for raising up a goer. Uh, that's yeah. fantastic. I love your heart to make sure that you're uh, standing on the shoulders of those who've gone mm. before you. Let's camp there, like I said, for a moment. Talk to parents about this college debt thing. Mm. Because I, I tend to think that the most moldable and pliable people are those high schoolish young college kids who, before they get tied down to their jobs and their families, they are fluid and can move anywhere they want. Mm -hmm. And we've been saying, much like other folks, I think J.D. Greer says this, so I didn't think of it. I'm not responsible for it. But, you know, um, if you can live anywhere in the world, why not choose a place that's most strategic for God's glory and for his impact in regards to the Great Commission? But often, you, you said it, it's the debt that suddenly seems to be a hurdle. So how did you pay for your college? Were you like, did you get a silver spoon or did you work and go in stages or how did that yeah. happen? Because some folks are saying, Vanessa, I couldn't even do that. But yet you did. Yeah. I had a little bit of everything, which I'm very thankful to okay. the Lord for. Uh, I actually had my first uh, CNA job when I was 16 and started already in the process of saving, working. Um, I grew up in a farming family. Go dad. Um, my dad's a farmer and has always shown the character trait of working hard um, for the sake of the gospel as well as his family. And I I have just, every one of my, my brothers, I have three older brothers, all of them are wonderful in that way and providing for their family and working hard. And I feel like that's just trickled down in, in our family for sure. But I would work and then pay for a semester. I would apply for scholarships, and I was blessed with an amazing grandma who helped me along the way at certain times, whether with books or sometimes with tuition. But I would say the majority, and she was also someone like she needed to see you putting in the work. Um, so we, I would apply for scholarships or anything like that and get as much funding as I could through those as well as my savings, and then she would kind of come in and partner with me for that. But through that stages, you know, I took a few breaks. Um, people who are nursing will know I was an LPN actually for four years, which is a licensed practical nurse. And I would go with certain organizations. I went with Global Health Outreach and did clinics at that time because I wasn't an RN. And then I went back to school four years later and got my RN. So I've been an RN now for five years and then went straight into surgery, which was always my passion and desire. And um, so, yeah, even sometimes taking that break, I was worth it for me to be able to not get into debt as well as to move forward in the passion I knew God had given me from a young age to go and to serve him around the world. Did you feel like when you refused to borrow the money for school and you took the breaks instead to work, did you, did you at that time 
know that this was because I didn't want to be in debt later? Mm-hmm. Do you feel like that was a conscious thought you had? Yeah, and I think refuse is a pretty hefty word. I, I, I won't like... Because for me, it was a lot of prayer and discernment. And I would talk to my parents, like, should I borrow? Should I not? Like, I don't want to put that as like a guilt on people either. If I really just had a very strong conviction by the Holy Spirit that I was not to get in debt. Like that was just honestly something that, um, and then again, through my upbringing and Dave Ramsey and all these different things of, it's better to work hard and, and wait on the Lord as he works you through this process than to run forward, get into debt. And then you get comfortable in a job because you're paying off these debt for years and then you never go. And mm. that I knew specifically when I was 17, um, really felt God put it on my heart. You will go and serve the nations. This is what I'll call you to do. And knowing that already I had to move forward. Um, yeah. In obedience. I think yeah. at, the, at the end of the day, right. Yeah. Missions or anytime we're sharing the gospel is based on obedience whether it's answering the call of the Holy Spirit here to speak to your neighbor or whether to answer the call to go and and be Jesus through surgery and share the gospel in that way overseas. Yeah, I appreciate your graciousness there. And let's just say say this then, I think we can say this in unison together. Mm -hmm. What you're saying is for you, because you knew clearly what God was calling you to, you avoided creating hurdles that mm-hmm. would show up later. Right. So, yeah, there may be some who say, I borrowed, mm-hmm. that may be fine. Yeah. We're not saying that's a sin. It's a good, gracious yes. word you had. But for you, so I hear you saying, when you get clarity, do all you can to clear the hurdles. Absolutely, because I don't want to discourage someone who may find that they're in debt. God has given you a skill, whether it's in you know engineering or nursing or you know even cosmetology. On on Mercy Ships, we would have people who would come on who would do the, okay. the cruise hair because we had so many... Um, uh, yeah, workers on board and people serving who had all come on their own dime. So I, I don't want to limit anybody and limit God for sure, but also knowing that it does take sacrifice and it takes um, dying to self, especially in our such our materialistic culture. Uh, today, it's easy to get sucked into that. And I have, I've had that experience and had to back up and say, okay, God, help me keep the main thing, the main thing. Amen. So listeners, let's hear this. I think what I'm, what I'm feeling convicted on even right now is that when you have clarity, you're willing to make the sacrifices. And I think if we can just be general now for a moment, the clarity we have from God's Word is He's given us a commission to Amen. make disciples of all nations. Mm-hmm. So, listener, um, you know, we have some clarity. I'm not saying mm-hmm. that it's... Um, yeah, I don't want to get to the borrowing aspect on college funds. Let's yeah. just say that there is some level of clarity. Yeah. You had a deep level clarity on where you should mm-hmm. go. And, and what skill to use. And so it, it then calls you to make certain decisions. But I just love the fact what you're saying is clarity does help us clear hurdles. Yeah. Man, amen. So we have some clarity. God's yeah. given us a great commission. Let's do all we can to clear the hurdles so we can make that our focus, whether here or there, near or far, right? Right. And I think, again, not minimizing that every choice we make does affect us. And that's why it is powerful to run to the Word of God and and to run to great counsel within your life, whether it's your parents or pastors or teachers, um, because the choices we do affect us. And it's not saying forever, like even Pastor Todd, if you get clarity, I forget how you said it, but um, 
even in knowing clarity, we still have to ask the Lord to help us walk in that. That's true. You're right. So yes. it's in, it's not just like, oh, I'm going to be debt free. But there was moments I had to surrender it again to the Lord and say, remind me of the vision That's you've given word. me for life. Remind me of the call on my life. Remind me what your word says. And then again, help me walk in faithfulness to that. Yeah. So let's talk about another one of those choices. Because I think, uh, and if it's too personal, we don't have to have this conversation. Mm-hmm. I think our listeners would enjoy it. But you are still single. I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and was that also one of those choices then because of what you knew was ahead? Uh, do you want to speak to that? Maybe just uh, in a moment of even deeper vulnerability? Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. And I, and I think to encourage, to encourage single women who are out there that God has a plan and a purpose. I have a desire to get married. I don't think God has asked me to, to let that go, but he has asked me that to not be an idol in my life. And I think that's the defining difference. I still pray for my future husband. It's on my heart to um, want to serve in missions alongside someone um, for the sake of the gospel. But again, I I think in my mind, I always went, and and this is another thing that you might not know in short term, I always thought, and I know this is my mom's prayer. So thank you, mom, for your prayers for me in this as well, is that God was going to provide a husband and then I would go long-term. And I feel like, again, it's asking God, what have you called me to do at this moment? And then to continue on in that path. And I'm not going to allow my humanness to say, well, Lord, once you give me a husband, then I'll go. Because the minute we put ultimatums on God, we miss out on the blessing. And I have seen God just grow me in my heart for understanding that He uh, that He has made me His bride and that I am yeah, I still have value in spite of singleness, and singleness has allowed me to go forth and have freedom. Yeah, singleness and, um, may actually have been a, a very good tool, definitely. Paul described. You can mm-hmm. give much more time mm-hmm. and focus to things God asks you to do. Right, yeah. And then believing in faith that if God intends, right? He has already my num- my days numbered. He knows um, all the plans of my heart, and there's no safer place to be than in the center of God's will, even for the choices and the desires that I have within my heart. Yeah. Hey, uh, speaking of the Lord and you being his bride and those kind of mm-hmm. phrases, yeah, just share with us when God saved you and you heard mm-hmm. his irresistible call, mm-hmm. you responded in faith and repentance, and God just mm-hmm. regenerated you and converted you, you know, he adopted you. Walk us through that moment, would you? Yeah. Um, I I definitely vividly remember when I was about five or six, just wanting to know Jesus. My parents were faithful of bringing us into that community and sharing the gospel with us. I remember my mom even making a a birthday cake for Jesus one year, and that was a very much a part of our lives. But I just remember going to my dad one day and saying, I want to know Jesus in the the simple childlike faith, right? And And maybe at that moment, I didn't even recognize my sin, but I knew I needed a Savior. And just to watch God walk that out faithfully in my life over the years of sanctification, not even knowing what sanctification was as six <laughs> or five. Um, but now looking back and saying, oh, when I lied to my mom, I got a feeling in my heart like that was wrong. Like that's the power of the Holy Spirit. And to see that walked out in a greater way in my, or not even a greater, but a more intentional way within my life um, over the last, you know, 20 years, mm-hmm. being 28 around there, you know, to say, wow, God, thank you. I know some people's testimony is how God just took them out and saved them, you know, in their mid twenties. And I just look back and I say, thank you, God, for the grace that I didn't have to go through some of those struggles and know what that feels like. Um, just to know what it is to be loved by a father in heaven. 
Amen. I love your testimony, and mm -hmm. thanks for the way you've led in our church, mm -hmm. the way you've impacted our church, the way as a single lady, you've just been so instrumental in so many ways um, to inspire people. I know you've mm -hmm. shared and um, um, given encouragement to many of our small groups, uh, and your story is uh, powerful, mm -hmm. and we're watching it and learning from it, and we just love having you around. We're going to miss you for sure, mm -hmm. uh, but we are thrilled to send you. Yeah, and thank I think you. that comes uh, hopefully this fall. I can't wait for your commissioning date. It's going to be a lot yeah. of fun. My commissioning date is November 7th. So and it's okay to say that? Yeah. I wasn't yeah. Sure. No, you're okay. okay. Yeah, really believing that God on November 7th is going to be fully funded and ready ready to hit the the road to saying, okay, God, what's next and moving yeah. forward in that. And you actually fly out that week. I do. I fly out that next that next Sunday. So I get to spend a week with my family before leaving. And then, um, yeah, on, yeah that's great. on to, yeah, that next step in the road where God is leading me. Any, I'll ask you two final questions. Any last logistical uh, words, information, things you want to share that maybe we have missed unintentionally? Um, yeah, I think, again, the the email was surgery for souls, souls, plural, at gmail.com. Uh, I also have prayer cards if people want to strategically either be on my prayer team or just want some generic like prayer requests to lift before the Lord. Um, I would love to send that to you, as well as there is always a financial need. And I am I can say this because God, God has empowered me to then be able to ask and say, the vision is for the Lord so that people can know um, the love of Jesus and partners are always welcome and really thankful for those who have already partnered and wanting to give a shout out to them and thank them for seeing the vision that God has um, for, yeah, the unreached in the world. And any last maybe spiritual words or that may have been it right there. I don't know. Mm -hmm. <laughs> any mm -hmm. last maybe things from your heart you want to share that we may have unintentionally missed? Mm -hmm. I think, I think for me, it's not that I'm extraordinary but it's that we serve an extraordinary God. And I don't want people to hear this, this podcast in here. Oh, this girl's been saved at six, serving, you know, first mission trip at 17 and, and just seems to have it all together, you know, and I'm not, maybe people don't think that, but I want to make sure that I stand before a God who I know it's only by his power, his love, his grace that I'm able to do anything and is to his glory, for his glory. Um, and really to say, you can do the same in the power of Christ Jesus. Thank you, Vanessa. Man, yeah. thanks for leaning in and helping us continue to be ascending, multiplying mm -hmm. culture. Uh, your story does speak, and I'm glad it's speaking to those who are right now wondering, maybe I should go. Maybe mm -hmm. I should be a nurse Amen. or a mechanic or a graphics artist or whatever the occupation is and get yeah. into places that the normal person can't just as a typical missionary. So thank you so much. Mm -hmm. Thank um, you. Yeah, uh, love you and what God's doing in your life, mm -hmm. our family does, our church does. So, listeners, yeah, reach out to Vanessa. Uh, you have her email address. And, uh, man, thanks again for being on the podcast, Vanessa. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Neighbors and Nations podcast. To learn more about how to support this podcast and our partners, go to toddstyles.net slash podcast. And don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe in your favorite podcasting app.